You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com. No. Okay. Welcome to Super Egg Bros, recorded on February 21st, 2021. I am one half of the Super Egg Bros, Captain Dirk. Stev is unfortunately sick. And so, what happened was, he, he told me that, boss man, I can't make it. So I told him to take the week off. And what was eventually going to be sort of like an ICP song, but with only Violent J. No Shaggy Tudo, but came to the rescue is my good friend Maddox, who uh, offered to take the time to hop on and do this episode with me, even though this episode has no real path. We don't. We don't even have. A, we don't have a games of the week. We don't have a topic of the week. We're just discussing whatever is relevant from the previous week and getting into it. And so, Maddox, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad I could fill in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look at that shirt of yours. Look at that shirt of yours. What? What is that? That's oh. right. So this is an old school Dark Souls Two shirt that I got at Comic Con. I think it was a Comic Con exclusive. I'm not sure. But I saw someone walking around with it. I'm like, holy shit, where'd you get that Dark Souls shirt? And the guy was like, oh, I got her over at the uh, Atlas booth. I'm like, can you, look, if I, I can't leave my booth right now, if I give you 20 bucks, can you go get me one? He said, sure. So he went and got me one. I'm, I'm so stoked. This is the one thing from Comic-Con I really, really wanted. And I'm so excited. I got this like exclusive like Dark Souls, because I'm a huge fan of Dark Souls. And I lost the shirt. Couldn't find it. I'm freaking out. Like the end of Comic Con's coming. I, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get another one. So I gave another twenty bucks, send it over to to another kid to go go pick me up a shirt, and he gets it. And then eventually, when I came home, I unpacked all my stuff. I found both shirts. So now I have two the exact same shirt. And I'm super happy. Good, good. Now I I recall you talking about how you went through what was like an addiction for Dark Souls a long time ago. Yeah. What? Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> how bad was that? Uh, so what had happened was, so the original, I played Demon Souls. That's how I cut my teeth on the series. I got Demon Souls on the original, what was it, PS2? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, PS3. Yeah. PS3, yeah. yeah. So I got Demon Souls, and, uh, this was before the game, there was any hype about the game. No one knew what it was. It was just, like, this weird, like, dungeon slasher game that people were, like, they're starting to, like, whisper and say, yeah, it's really fucking hard. And I picked it up. You know, sight unseen, just wanted to check it out. I was like, yeah, I need a hard game. And it took me like 20 minutes to pass the first enemy, which is just a, like a scrub, like a skeleton with like a little dinky, like wooden shield or whatever. So I really like I I, I suffered through that game, you know, like it's almost like a, um, a Stockholm syndrome type situation where uh I also like started fucking around in the game. Like you're not supposed to kill the NPCs, uh, most of them. And I killed in the original Demon Souls. There, the the NPC was like the um, one of the main guys was like a guy who acted as your inventory. So those of you who've played Resident Evil games, imagine if you had to play the entire game without an inventory box, right? That's what I did. I killed the inventory box, and so I could no longer store items in the game. 
but it took me so long to kill this NPC because I'm like just a level one guy with like barely doing any damage, a little sliver every single attack. So it took me so long to kill this guy, like eight hours, something stupid like that, right? I finally mm-hmm. killed this guy. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I've come too far now. Sunk cost fallacy, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I re- I decided to beat the game with this like crippled uh, status that I had. And I did. I beat the game. And so I became so addicted to that game because I intuitively got a sense of the mechanics and stuff. So fast forward to I'm writing my second book. And my buddy comes over to my house and Dark Souls 2 comes out like right around when uh, I'm supposed to be turning in my book. And I'm like, listen, dude, um, I want you to take this game from me and hide it. And no matter what I say to you, (laughs) don't give it back to me. He goes, okay. (laughs) So he did. He took the game away from me and hit it. And then like I took like less than a week. I was, I was breaking. I'm like, okay, man, I'm, I'm good. Give me the game back. He goes, no, (laughs) I'm like, come on. I know what I said, but like, just give me, give me the fucking game back. And he wouldn't. And, uh, he goes, is your book done? I'm like, it's mostly done. He goes, is it done? I'm like, kinda. (laughs) He's like, finish your fucking book and you'll get your game. And so then I got like pissed off and I started like laying into him. I'm like, give me my fucking game, dude. It's my game. I bought it. It's my money. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) He held, he held firm. Thankfully. Um, yeah, I got pretty bad and got pretty bad for a while. Oh God. Like even, even with my tattoos of dark souls, I still recognize it's bad. Uh, it, it, it bites hard because I, I think Dark Souls and and Demon Souls were at first victims of just poor marketing, and like uh, it, it, it took word of mouth for for this thing to blow up as big as it as it finally did. And right. for me, it's like I, I need good dungeon crawling. Uh, that's I'll, I'll take that over the the deepest role playing aspect I can get in a game, as yeah. long as I can do things like find loot and and explore and get intimate with a map that's really what i ask for yep man i remember um i I made this video a while back just ranting about stories in video games and how much i hate them and i i was thinking the other day like i've definitely played some rpgs that i enjoyed i couldn't tell you the story of most of them like generally speaking i kind of know the story of final fantasy 7 i kind of know the story of shining shining force on genesis like a few of these games, I kind of remember the story, and they're all basically like save the world. All right, cool. Um, so I just I, I've kind of grown out of stories in video games because I just don't get that invested in the character. I played Last of Us because everybody was like, "Oh, you gotta play Last of Us, oh, it's so good." So I finally fucking played that game, and yeah, it's a masterpiece <laughs> in terms of like the gameplay, yeah. the 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 cinematics, the uh, the the sound design is impeccable. But I fucking hated the game. I didn't have fun with it. Uh, it's not like I, I kind of hated the characters. I hated the story and I sure shit hated the ambient dialogue. I fucking can't stand ambient dialogue in video games. I don't want to hear chatter like I got the chatter. Right. Let me think. Let me just do my thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was actually arguing the point that you made in that video. And then shortly after the video fucking comes out. And so I, I use it to rub it in my friend's face uh, who was so adamant about like there needing to be, to be a story in a, in a game. It's, um, you know who John Carmack is, right? Yeah. Uh, one of his, one of my favorite quotes in gaming is from him talking about story in games, how it's, it's like story in porn 
or like a plot in porn. You know, it's it's not important, but you expect it to be there. You know, I I watch this. Um, you know what Pluto is? Are you familiar with what with Pluto is? Pluto, the planet. No, uh, <laughs> the online. It's like a streaming, like a streaming service. If you have like Roku or Apple yeah. TV or mobile device, yeah, Pluto. It's great. I installed it. It's basically like free cable. And what they do is they make curated channels for whatever specific taste that you have. So there's like a G4 channel. There's a um, you know horror movie channel. There's this channel they used to have called Kalupi, where it was just like um, Instagram, like Instagram models getting skimpy and dancing. Uh, and it was it was great. I loved it. And so anyway, they have like this kung fu channel, and I have that on all the fucking time. It's just kung fu movies on in the background. It helps me relax. Um, there's something about the dialogue. It's very kind of like stoic and and philosophical because they're always talking about metaphors in their attacks. They're like, oh, you bring the eastern winds to the battle of the setting sun. That's a big mistake. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, what the fuck does he mean? So anyway, there's this movie called um, House. I think it's uh, it's House of the Flying Shaolin Monk or something like that. Uh, it's the Shaolin Monk Execution. I don't know, something like that. And it's a story where the movie starts out in the first like 30 seconds of the movie. I swear to God, you could even pull this up. It's a free to watch on YouTube. The first 30 seconds of the movie, he explains the entire plot. And it's it, he doesn't, there's no splitting hairs. He tells you exactly who's attacking who, what's going on. Boom, you hit the ground running. And that 30 seconds is, is the scaffolding that sustains the rest of the movie. I'm never confused. I don't ever wonder who the who the characters are i know who the bad guys are i know who the good guys are great i'm on board that's how i want storytelling like contra the original contra 3 on super nintendo mm -hmm. like aliens have invaded we've got to kill them all and save humanity great great i'm on board i don't need any fuck, fuck characters <laughs> I, I get it you know yeah Just give it to me right up top take the guesswork out of it yeah, I mean, that's what I appreciate out of uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Not a gr not the greatest uh, first-person shooter, but aliens came and are abducting our babes, and we got to save them. Yeah, great. That's it. Love that premise. Uh, so speaking of, of kung fu movies, the, yeah. uh, the Mortal Kombat trailer, the Red Band trailer, just came out. So I've talked about this on uh, the Plaster Paladins, but I guess I could talk about it again here. But I want to know your thoughts about it since it just came out. Um, is it the trailer? So I watched the trailer the other day. Is it a different trailer than that? Uh, did you see Jax's arms get frozen and then exploded off? No, that sounds cool though. Sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> no, I just saw the the uh, I guess the not red band trailer. Yeah. Um, I, you know I thought it was fine. I was I'm pretty hyped for it. I guess it's just I hate to see like the new twist they add to every fucking thing. You know, like every vampire movie like has to rewrite the rules. Um, oh, I can't think of it. Oh, zombie movie. Yeah, zombie movies. Like, oh, here are the rules with zombies now. Now mm -hmm. everything's changed. Everything you thought you knew about zombies. It's like, well, you guys are just making shit up anyway. So just like, can you just stick to something? Can you just and and also just call them zombies anyway? Because uh, everyone like redefines what the zombies are. Oh, they're clickers. These are oh, these are walkers. These are bloaters. Like, fuck off. They're zombies. Just call them zombies. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, back to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. I thought the original Mortal Kombat movie that came out was, I think it broke the curse of bad video game movies because I remember when it came out, my friends and I came out of the theater, and you know that first like feeling you get after you just watched a movie, and you're like, 
did I like it? Like I looked at all my friends, and we all were like, "Yeah, I kind of like that movie. Kind of good." Okay, because I haven't seen that movie, so I'm I'm assuming that I missed out. Yeah, it's worth checking out. I don't know if it holds up because I remember. I mean, it's definitely like '90s CG, uh, late '90s CG. So I'm sure Goro's going to look at No, actually, Goro was practical practical effects in there. Um, but the story was competent. You know, it's what I expected from a Mortal Kombat story. These warriors were taken to this other realm to have this big combat tournament, and the winner uh, gets to escape the realm. And they're all fighting for their lives. Some of them, like, team up. You know, the humans, like Cage and Sonya. Johnny Cage, rather. Yeah, well, it was decent. I- I'm not sure if you've heard what they're doing for this movie, but, uh, you know, the the Mortal Kombat main logo that they use with the dragon? Yeah. That's a birthmark. And if you have that oh. birthmark, you're chosen to fight in the tournament. They should make it a tramp stamp. <laughs> I, <laughs> Whoever's got this tramp stamp. Look, as a as a person who has a tramp stamp, like it's fun having one. So it's it's it would be great to be able to do that to get into a tournament. But really, wait, what's your tramp stamp? Uh, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> Mel and I walked into the the tattoo shop. And they were doing this Halloween special. So it was all these pre-made tattoo designs. And she said, you should get a tramp stamp. And I immediately said, only if you pay for it. Next thing I know, I'm scheduled to get a fucking tramp stamp. And it's a a Freddy and... (laughs) Well, no, I didn't. It's a Freddy and Jason. And the the Freddy... Yeah, the Freddy is like looking down at the crack of my ass. Oh, that's funny. This is a that's a, that's a great tramp stamp. Yeah, man. Yeah, I well, I'm I'm at that point in my life where it's like if I get a tattoo and it's something that's that's goofy or dumb or just fun, like it doesn't matter to me uh, as long as right. it's not in a right. place where an employer is going to find it and use it against me somehow. That's really it. So let's you just go- got to you just you just got to be careful wearing midriffs around at work. <laughs> I, I I learned that lesson in the office, but I'll be all right. So yeah. <laughs> getting into uh, some of the meat of what's been going on here lately, Nintendo had their yeah. direct. Finally, the first within actually the last one was in 2019. We had a drought of this back in 2020. But uh, were there any mm-hmm. were there any announcements from the direct that you uh, felt excited about? Yeah, they announced the there's like a new Zelda game or an anniversary of like the new Breath of the Wild. They didn't show anything for it, right? Right. Uh, we're still waiting for just, more I've on Breath of the Wild too. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Zelda. I mean, look, and it's always like some fucking Smash Brothers shit. It's every time they announce a new character. You know, I have. I got to be honest, man. I made a mistake. All right, I I am experiencing some of the biggest FOMO in my life. Uh, I shit on the game. I was a hater from the beginning. I hate it over and we played it and we had such a good time. And now I see all these cool characters. I'm like, yeah, okay. You got me. All right. I want to play this game now. I, I, I blew it. It's still, it's still not a fighting game. I will, I will die on that hill. Uh, I still don't think it's a fighting game, but it is a game <laughs> and it does have competitive elements. And I do like the, um, arena element to it, the arena aspect to it. Yeah, it, so, it's incredible how this game has what's like a science behind getting good with it. 
Yeah. Which which I guess I need to like invest some time to understand. You know, I still haven't done that, but uh, whatever. So what what does make a game a fighting game for you? First of all, it's got to have some consistent fucking mechanics. I, I want there to be like you press a button and it does a thing, right? Consistently every time. I guess it does that in Super Arrogant Bro- or <laughs> Super Arrogant. I'm Thank the, you. Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> but uh there was one that came out on on nintendo 64 or gamecube which even the se- fans of the series pan because it had a random element to it which is your character could be walking and just slip on but slip on a banana and it was like rng that they threw into the game and when you have things that are completely random like that it makes it so that the game becomes unpredictable a real a true fighting game has consistent mechanics um it has uh, attacks, blocks, and sometimes parries that are, um, I want to say precise and like timed and, and, uh, and accurate and predictable. So it's almost like a, like a chess game, you know, like there is strategy involved in Fortnite, but I would not say Fortnite is a chess game, you know, right? Like Fortnite, there's too many variables and that's what happens with, with super arrogant. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Super smash <laughs> brothers is they keep, They've introduced so many variables into the game, it makes it difficult to predict to the consistent gameplay. I mean, how many characters are in the roster now? Like 128 or something like that? Yeah. And, and the bigger problem is that uh, they, they tend to uh, release characters off of a certain... Like, like Fire Emblem. They release so many characters off of Fire Emblem. And it, it becomes a little bit overbearing with that, that franchise. Like, I get it. People like that franchise, but... I'd like to see some more variation. Yeah, Fire Emblem. Uh, I mean, there's so many obscure characters. What do they have? Like the one of my favorites that they threw in in terms of obscurity is the LED character from an old like Nintendo LED something where it was just like a dot guy. They have some really weird shit in there, which I'm a fa- I'm a fan of like that weird shit. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just hating. Um, it's a, look, it's a fun game. I missed out. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I think I might pick it up. I think I might finally get it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Do so, man. Do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's see here. Um, the the big thing with the, um, the Nintendo Direct here was it's the 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda. And so right. the fans were thinking maybe something big will happen for this. Maybe not to the extent of like, a release of all the games, but maybe the Super Mario 3D All-Stars kind of treatment where maybe they'll release some of the uh, 3D games that came out since the Nintendo 64 era. Well, what Nintendo did was they said, hey, look, uh, so for the 35th anniversary, we don't have anything for uh, Breath of the Wild 2 just yet, but uh, here's, here's Skyward Sword for you. The game that is is shit on by every other Zelda fan. So in other words, they released the game that nobody actually wants to repurchase at this point. I think they probably did that because that came out pretty late in the Wii. Was it Wii, right? Or Wii U? The Wii. Wii, yeah. And it came out pretty late in the Wii life cycle where most people were transitioning to other systems. And I don't think as many people really played or got into that game. So it's probably Nintendo's strategy to like move more units of that, get more fans invested in one of the lesser played Nintendo games. Um, did they ever re-release uh, Majora's Mask? 
They did for the 3DS. Yeah, and that's it. Like, that's mm-hmm. the one I want to play, because I hated Ocarina of Time, but Majora's Mask look, looks interesting. It's one I really want to check out. Uh, it feels like uh, Majora's Mask was more of like a b- bizarre version of uh, Ocarina of Time. Do you think you might run into some of the same issues that you would from Ocarina with uh, Majora's Mask? Probably. Uh, but it's, it's you know, if they updated it, if they made it so that they fixed the gameplay mechanics that I hated in, in uh, Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, look, th- I got to be, uh, I, I think people are finally realizing today of games were just not that great. And most most people, like, I'm seeing uh, so many tweets these days from people saying, like, oh, man, I, this old Nintendo 64 game that I used to love totally doesn't hold up. I'm like, no shit. They all sucked back in the day. I remember not liking most of them it, because the novelty of 3D was being rammed down our throat. So every single game, like, forced that 3D platform element, but the technology wasn't there yet. Um, the graphics were really muddy. The textures were low res. The gameplay was choppy as hell. There's there's a handful of Nintendo 64 games that I think hold up uh, that I really enjoyed. One of them is a Japanese import. I think came out in the U.S. too, but it's called Bangayo. Have you ever seen it or played it? No, I've heard of that. Oh, it's incredible. I'm gonna type the name in the chat rooms just so you guys can can look it up. Bang I Bang Bang I O B A N G A I dash O. If you look it up, it's a it's a game made by Treasure, and for those oh, of you good. who know, Treasure, yeah, Treasure is just like a legendary game developer. They've made some of the inc- most incredible games ever made in gaming. And Bangayo is a tiny little sprite shooter where it's a crazy bullet hell game where you're the character who releases the bullet hell. And it ex- like almost everything in the st- stage is destructible. It's super satisfying to play. There's like this weird like ping pong pairing system in the game. That is incredible to play. And it really does take advantage of the Nintendo 64 hardware uh, in a way that is satisfying, unlike the 3D games that were, like, underpowered. Uh, another game I really enjoyed, and I don't know how you what your uh, relationship is with Castlevania games, but I, I really liked the Castlevania game on Nintendo 64. It was not a good game. It was not polished. The graphics sucked. Um, the, game, the, the, the character control was kind of choppy and clunky, but it was fun. I really enjoyed playing that game i don't know why but the music was good and the um it's just a fun game good i i never played castlevania 64 though um i I always heard uh i I only heard negative things about this game yeah because it's not a castlevania game it's not really good uh like it the only thing that made the game fun was that you could get familiars and the familiar like in castlevania symphony of the night you had familiars right and those are the little spirits that follow you around. Well, in this one, the familiars are basically like at some point they take over the uh, most of the battle mechanics for you. So it's really fun playing through levels with these different familiars and powering them up. That uh, that aspect to me was fun, but that's not a Castlevania game. Okay. Uh, so running back into to Zelda, though, I I feel like I should give a take on what's been going on with the uh, uh, Skyward Sword re-release. Uh, 4chan has been having consistent threads about this re-release, uh, complaining mm-hmm. about how you know I'm not going to buy this re-release for sixty dollars on uh, on the Switch, which I don't blame you. I I actually do not blame you. I wouldn't pay sixty bucks for one Skyward Sword game if that's what they're doing. We don't know yet. 
and we're not going to know until we get closer to the release around in June or July is when they announced it. But I was excited for whatever they would be announcing for the 35th anniversary of Zelda as well. And I will be honest, I'm not the oldest fan of Zelda either. I'm, I'm somewhat more recent. The first game in the series that I beat was Breath of the Wild. After that, it was the uh, re-release or the uh, remake of Link's Awakening, which I fell in love with. And then I realized I missed out. I really missed out on this game. So the uh, the anniversary is here and we're, we're thinking we're, we're going to get something kind of big. But uh, Nintendo says here, we're going to give you this this uh, re-release in HD. And so what do you do if you want to be uh, exploring the games from the past? Do I purchase a GameCube and then get an adapter and then fuck around with it? Or I could be doing what people have been doing for years already, and that is emulation. So on my PC right now, I have the program called uh, Dolphin. Uh, it's it's called that because that's what the GameCube was codenamed before the name was officially released. And with it, I'm able to map the buttons on my controller. If I want to, I could get a Nintendo GameCube styled controller and use that to run the games off of my emulation. But with that, I can run these games. I can run whatever ROMs are available. Nintendo has tried so hard to uh, to nip this in the bud, to, to take down the ROMs, but somehow, just like the orcs in Warhammer 40K, if you don't kill them all, they're gonna keep coming back. And so they do. Right. Since I can't buy the games, well, not in a way that is uh, gonna be less of a hassle for me, I'll just run an emulation. Yeah, I'll just, as a rule of thumb, I think that if you want to buy a game or a product, and it's difficult or impossible to do that, then I think it's fair game. Uh, I'm generally not a big fan of piracy in terms of, you know, like, some things. Some things, uh, I'm just like, okay, this, you, you know, the developers worked hard on this, they deserve to get paid. Um, but I am also not a big fan of repaying for the same fucking software over and over and over again. I feel like if I own a copy of this fucking game, I paid for it a long time ago, I have it somewhere. It's on an old like Wii U drive or something like something. I deserve to have a right to to play that game, and I will, you know, in that in those uh, instances, uh, turn to emulation. And there's many online that you don't even have to download or install anything. You can just play it entirely in your browser. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, as for like Skyward Sword, sixty bucks. I mean, it's a kind of an HD remaster, so I guess you're paying for that. 60 bucks seems a little bit steep. I'd, I'd say like 50 bucks is the uh, cutoff for that. Did you ever play Skyward Sword? No, I didn't. Uh, the controls turned me off from it. Yeah, that was one of the games, like, I, I got past basically all the tutorial shit, but I was so bored. Uh, I, I, it just wasn't a very compelling game. Like, uh, it took too long. The pacing was slow. I never got... I never even got off the first island or whatever. Um, yeah, it's not a game that's that's super huge. Like I'm, most people are rating all the Zelda games right now online, and I think Wind Waker is among the top for most people. And that game got panned really hard when it first came out because everyone, you know, the, that was Nintendo's first foray into creating cel shaded graphics for one of their Zelda games. 
and a lot of people panned it. They, they missed the traditional style graphics. I thought it was cool as shit. I thought it looked great. And the gameplay was tight. The exploration was fun. They made, they made, and, and there was a lot of like C, right, in that game where you're just going from one, you know, destination to the other. But it was never boring because there was always interesting stuff coming up in the sea. There was always something you could go fishing. You could, you know, some some pirates would attack. Some enemy would come up. It was it was fun. Um, that was also, I think, one of my favorite games. What, what was the second Zelda game you said you played? Oh, uh, that was the um, remake of Link's Awakening. Yeah, so I haven't played that. That's the was that the remake of the Nintendo one, the Super NES one, the Game Boy game. Game Boy, yeah, I haven't played that. Was it good? Yeah, yeah. It uh, when I when I say I missed out, like yeah, I completely did. Because one of the, one of my favorite things to do in a game is is to have to research for it to figure right. out what I need to do. And uh-huh. whatever whatever reason, it, it creates an endorphin rush for me. But uh, doing that, but also solving the puzzles and and uh, going through the dungeons, the game was built extremely well, but it's so compact and simple at the same time. It's it was like lightning in a bottle for me. Yeah, I've never played that. I really want to. Um, a, A lot of really, really great games came out on Game Boy back in the day and Game Boy Advance that a lot of people haven't played. And I'm, I'm glad some of them are getting remastered. I haven't played that one and I haven't played the Game Boy Super Metroid that came out, which I think some fans like made an updated remastered version that was like Super Metroid Zero style. Um, and it was, re- or so Super Metroid Z, I think was the Game Boy Advance version. And Nintendo shut that shit down, but you can still find the ROM somewhere, but it's supposed to be just a work of love. Like I got to play that game. Yeah. And then the other one is I never played the Super NES Zelda game, which everybody says is is a classic. It's one of the best ever made. I really want to play through those. Well, thankfully, with that one, you can play it on the uh, Nintendo online service for the Switch. So that's like, as much as I uh, don't like having to pay to do online play. Right. I do like at least having the collections of games I can pick through from the NES and Super NES. Um. Let's see here. We've also had announced the uh, new Mario Golf game that is coming out. So, like the Wii, it is also going to be using the motion controls as well. So, uh, I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, again, like, from a young age, I was a hater. And so, I remember when I was um, young, young, and we had to... The Nintendo Entertainment System first came out, and it was uh, right around that time. Like Nintendo was out, Super Sega Master System was out, and this was in an era where people still rented things. So we would have to rent not only the games, but sometimes the game systems. And it was a big deal because it would cost like you know thirty, forty bucks to rent it for a weekend, and it was like a splurge. And I would have to like beg my parents. We finally got it. And the games were impossible to keep stocked because anyone who owned a system was going down to the grocery store where we were renting these games from, our local grocery store, mm-hmm. and renting these uh, the, all the best games. And the only games consistently that were left behind were Nintendo, was like Mario Golf and this bullshit uh, trivia game called Anticipation. And it was actually kind of fun. Both the games were actually kind of fun. So I eventually like bit the bullet. It's like, fuck it, I'll, I'll play this Mario Golf game. And I had a really good time with it. The gameplay is 
pretty tight. Uh, the, and it's all done with the Nintendo charm with like the Mario characters and stuff like that. So I, I don't, ent- I, I think that this, this game will be pretty similar and they'll probably throw in some like mini golf type gameplay elements. Is that, is that true? Have you seen anything about it? I haven't seen anything about mini golf, but, uh, like I, I, I agree. I agree with you here on this, though. It's I, I spent a lot of hours on the Nintendo 64 Mario Golf game, and it it's comfy. That's really all yeah. I can can expect out of these golf games. It's just comfy. Um, yeah, comfy is a good word to use. It's it's a yeah. comfortable. It's like it's like comfort food. It's like the comfort food version of like a video game. You just turn it on. It's uh, you know it's soft. It's like it's fun. It's it's just something you can kind of relax with. But do you like golf in real life? Uh, no, I've only played in my backyard, and I hit my brother out of a tree with a golf ball. Uh, but what? <laughs> <that's> just, <laughs> he was in, he was in the tree, and I was like I was like a, a good half acre away. You know, we we had a long property, and we're a good half acre away. And I, he's like he's like try to hit me. I'm like I bet I can. And he goes no. And first strike hit him out of the tree. It was hilarious. Uh, I. At the time, I mean, he wasn't hurt, but got him. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't played golf since I was a teenager. I think uh, I, I've, I went with my father to play it, and it was like an all-day. Yeah, it was always an all-day thing. But I don't know the the idea of the sunsets at the golf courses. I don't know. It makes me want to try it again. Sunsets? What do you mean? Sunsets. What do you, what do you- uh, like uh, when you're reaching like the the sunset while you're still playing golf, there's uh-huh. there's just something something uh, capturing about the aesthetic of it. I, I'm a I'm a huge man of of uh, aesthetics, so like there's certain things that just trip the trigger with that. Golf during the summer when you're reaching the evening, I don't know why it's just one of those things. Hmm. I've never played it, uh, you know, in real life, especially at that time. But there is another golf game I want to mention. I don't know if you had more to say about Mario Golf. Yeah. Uh, this I saw. I'm always looking for weird shit. I love weird games. Uh, this one I saw on Steam. It's called 100 Foot Robot Golf. Have you heard of it? Yes. Yes. I watched my uh, ex-co-host uh, Mitchard play this game. I love yeah. the announcers. Yeah, the announcers are just having such a good time with it. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's like a B-movie plot in a in a golf game because they know they know what kind of weird game they're playing but it the game is done very competently it's like imagine the best japanese mecha developers making a mecha game except your entire purpose is to play golf and you're doing it in a big cityscape like you know city like there's islands and buildings and stuff but the game gets pretty weird near the like you know later levels you're in like a volcano and stuff like that but uh, I had pretty fun with it. The, the controls were pretty awful, but like it's a fun game, and it's worth the price of admission just to hear the uh, silly, crazy announcers. I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, they didn't charge very much for that game. So it, yeah, it's just if you've got the money for it and you want something fun for a little bit, yeah, I'd say get that game. Yeah, was it like ten bucks or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the uh, bigger announcement from the e- from the uh, Nintendo Direct. This this especially got me excited. Ninja Gaiden is having Whoa. a re-release. So there's the uh, the Master Collection, and it's going to be Ninja Gaiden Sigma, Ninja Gaiden 2. Three deadly a- Yeah, Ninja Gaiden 2 and 3 all together. So this is so, going to be coming up for the Switch, PC, PS4, and Xbox One, at least. 
So these are the Ninja Gaiden games that were the 3D ones that were on Xbox. Is that correct? Yeah. By Team Ninja. Yep. Okay. Fuck those games. Like, <laughs> fuck those games. I I never played. I I heard, yeah. I heard part two was was good and part three was was all right. But like, I played part one. And I, again, like anytime someone says some game's really fucking hard, I, I challenge myself to beat it. And I beat the original Ninja Gaiden on uh, Xbox. And I think I got I unlocked like the hardest difficulty and everything because I unlocked the original game, which is like a bonus if you do well in the game. But the game is such fucking bullshit. I I I hated that game. And because here's here's the bullshit difficulty. Okay, which is Ninja Gaiden versus good difficulty, which is Demon Souls. Okay, Demon Souls, the difficulty comes from really clever gameplay, really clever level design, uh, enemies that are smart, and gameplay mechanics that you have to master. The difficulty in Ninja Gaiden comes from fucking cheap shots, bugs in the game. Uh, so here's an example. If you're walking down, say, a big courtyard, right? There's like a lot of big... There, there, you'll come across like a courtyard with three ninjas in the distance and you have to kill them. You kill them, all right? And then if you turn your back, I'm not even saying you leave the scene. You just literally rotate the camera 360 degrees or 180 degrees so that your back is facing that area. And then you turn back around, the ninjas respawn. That's bullshit. Uh, why? I haven't left the area. It's There's no reason for it other than literally the camera just panned across. Another thing that's just slime and, and just poor programming or maybe a bug in the game but there's a thing in the game where you have incendiary shurikens right so you throw a shuriken at an enemy and it you know it sticks and then it blows up well there's a bug in the game that i that i found that if you pause if you go into your inventory menu say you throw a shuriken and you want to go into your inventory menu see what other items you have and you come back out of it the shuriken will disappear fuck that like I, first of all, they're really rare items. They're hard to come by. Uh, you know, you're you're like fucking scrimping every little shuriken you can get in that game, and then they do this bullshit where if you go into the menu and come back out, it's gone. I hated that. I hated it so much. Uh, at least the enemy designs were cool, and the ninja Hayabusa, was Hayabusa, right? Hayabusa, whatever was was cool. But I, I have never heard that take before. Everybody sucks this game's dick. I was one of those people really? that did. Yeah, yeah. I was one of those people that did. But I never experienced like huh. those those bugs that you had. So I'm gonna yeah. get I'm gonna get this collection. I'm gonna see if the same thing happened, or maybe they might have fixed it, but I I think that um what you're saying actually I think what you're saying is something that has merit to it in that it's not just about the game being difficult. It's also why the game is difficult or how it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, Dark Souls 2. I I don't like Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2. It's, yeah. it's a game where the development was... Uh, the, the, the developers were not understanding what made the first game so good. And right. so they said, you like hard. Okay, we made it hard. Do you like this? But the difficulty feels extremely cheap compared to yes. the planning that took place from the first game. Right. I remember the exact moment I stopped playing Dark Souls 2. It was this dragon boss. It was a red dragon. 
seemed like, you know, you've killed lots of dragons in the game. No big deal. You're just, it's another one. And you're in this giant cage with this red dragon swooping down. This red dragon has this fire attack. And you're thinking, okay, logically, what do I need to defeat and vanquish this red dragon, this fire attack, right? You need all your fire buffs, right? You need your fire armor, you need your fire sword, all the shit that's fire related. So I was like trying to scamp at first, like trying to beat this dragon without changing my entire armor set because that's a pain in the ass every time. Then I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not having full red, red armor, full fire set. And even then with one attack, it killed you. All my armor protection stuff against fire and one attack, fi one fire attack still kills me. What the fuck is the point? And I stopped playing the game I, because the logic breaks down. As the, the developers intended for me to be challenged and to overcome that challenge in a clever way. I don't like to be challenged because the game is just unbalanced. The gameplay is broken. The AI is broken and there are bugs. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm completely on board with this, this thinking. Yeah. So you know what? I, I could buy Ninja Gaiden and then play through, try to play through it and realize that it's just not as good as I remembered. And that's not going to be the first time that happened either. Yeah, I I mean, I, I watched... What was that, Sigma? What's that? Uh, Ninja Gaiden Part 2 was Sigma, right? Uh, Sigma was a... Like a re-release of the game. Uh, it's really oh. just Ninja Gaiden 1, 2, and 3. Oh, gotcha. Well, whatever the, the um, Part 2 was that came out... Uh, was supposedly much better. I watched a friend play it. It was fast-paced. He was, like, cruising through there. That's the type of gameplay I want in a ninja game. I want it to be fast. You know, just running through, slicing and dicing. It's fun. Because um, that's what Sega's Shinobi game was like. So the Sega Shinobi game was what Ninja Gaiden should, should have been. It was not, like, you know, super tight with the gameplay. There's some problems with it, but... Shinobi was fun uh, on Sega, like the, the 3D one. I, I don't think nearly enough people played it, uh, but they deserve more credit because running on the walls is such a fun mechanic in that game. You can run forever. Uh, you can bounce around walls and like jump and grapple, and the gameplay is fast. That's what I want. I want basically like a Strider game in 3D. So what did you think of the PlayStation 2 uh, uh, game that came out from Sega? Which one? Um, oh God, uh, the this, the the franchise you were just talking about here. Uh, there was a new game for the PS2 uh, back uh, in two thousand one, two thousand two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God, I forgot the name of it actually. But it's a ninja game. Yes. Um, you you just mentioned Sega's franchise, uh, Sega's game. Shinobi. Yep, Shinobi. Uh, Shinobi actually came out for the PlayStation 2 as a brand new game back then. Oh, are you thinking of Vanquish? Uh, no, it was called Shinobi. Oh, Shinobi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and what, it came out on PS2, you're saying? Yep. Uh, maybe that's the one I played. I think that is the one I played. Okay. The Shino that's the one, the 3D one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I played. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Good. So yeah, I liked it. I didn't beat it. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Um, so go, moving on to the, uh, the, the BlizzCon announcements. 
So yeah. you, with with your history of uh, Blizzard games, you've mostly played uh, Overwatch, to, uh, just the Overwatch games, right? Yeah, um, lately. I mean, I started out playing old school Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I played all the original Warcrafts. I loved them. I thought they were so great. I also played the old um, console games by Blizzard, but I haven't played a ton of World of War. I haven't played World of Warcraft intentionally and deliberately because I don't want to get sucked in. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, a big announcement just came out, and that is the, well, remake sort of of Diablo 2 called Resurrected. And so what they're doing is. Well, trying to learn from Warcraft 3 Reforged and that nobody was happy with the game. And it, it was a broken mess. It had too many bugs to it. The online gameplay was also uh, needing to be fixed. So Blizzard did try to listen to what the audience was saying. And then with this new Diablo 2 release that they're working on, you're going to be able to play it with a fresh new 3D look, or you can play it with the 2D sprite version that came out 20 years ago. So uh. there are those of us who are excited for this new release to come out. I'm one of those people, but we're also cautious about this as well because we're reminding ourselves what's been happening with Blizzard in the recent years. It's uh, It's been a little bit heartbreaking for some of us to realize that the blizzard of 20 years ago 10 years ago is not the same company as it was right now right uh what is what has been your takes recently with uh, the way blizzard has been running um maybe not just after they were bought by activision but overall regarding things like the uh the hong kong protests too yeah so blizzard it gets complicated. Like Blizzard is not quite. If you okay, if you're gonna map a game company on a spectrum, from like you know good on the very far left to EA on the very far right, which EA, in my opinion, is one of the. They've just like taken such a dive in terms of their reputation and uh, you know their business practices and things like that. I absolutely loathe ea i stopped buying ea games i just won't play ea games anymore um a long time ago because and the last one i played was the um snowboarding game uh what's that one um it's like starts with an s like skitchen swipping something uh whatever anyway um blizzard is a little bit more marching down the path of ea than i'm comfortable with but not quite. There's still a lot of heart in the company. I have friends who work for Blizzard, uh, full disclosure, but um, I do think the company still has a lot of heart. In terms of the Hong Kong protest thing, uh, I mean, clearly I'm each, but I, it's, it's hard to tell whether those people who were like, you know, protesting or using it as a platform we're doing so to fuck with the company because there's a lot of people who want to do that. They just want to get on and say something that'll get everybody in trouble. That'll take the stream offline. Uh, it's hard to tell what they were trying to do with that. And the outrage against blizzard was immediate and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, vicious online. The mobs like started attacking blizzard. Like they always, you know, they always attack all these game companies. 
Um, I think that it's more complicated. I don't know that there's a clear answer because imagine if everybody used whatever game platform to protest like whatever they wanted to at any given time. Like, okay, this guy just won this Blizzard tournament. Hey guys, uh, let's outlaw abortion. Uh, <laughs> this guy won, you know. Um, I think that, man, it's a tough one. I think that that Blizzard needed to, to, to handle that with more sensitivity. The penalty they doled out to the, the player was pretty harsh, I think, at first, and they dialed it back. But uh, I think the player in that case was sincere. But in terms of like, um, you know, appealing to modern players and like still, still placating the past, I think that one of the big things that that people came down on Blizzard was didn't they re- weren't they, weren't people waiting for a new Diablo game and they released like a mobile game that everyone shit on? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't get it, man. I don't get why people are so angry. Like, do you like games or not? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not the game you wanted, and it is probably going to be some microtransaction hell. But it it is a game, and you can either play it or don't. Like, those are your options. Just play it or don't. Like, they want to tear it apart. They feel so fucking entitled to all this other specific style of game. It's like, okay, well, then, if they're not making it, go make it. Someone else can make it, you know? Um, I'm not I, I'm not a big fan of, like, tearing these companies apart for, like, putting out content. If you don't like it, just don't play it. Like, Konami has really gone off the deep end. They've gotten so bad. Uh, and I, you know, a lot of people just don't play their games anymore. That's what's your take? Well, there's actually a, a bit to unpack here. Well, I'm going to start off with the, uh, the Diablo controversy that you just mentioned. So yeah. when that was announced, uh, Steph and I did an episode about it and bear in mind with everything that I said, regarding this announcement was because I want Blizzard to be doing as best as they can with the games that they're making. Because to me, like Blizzard was like a a, a company where it was like they couldn't do anything wrong for the longest time. Now it's like we're watching them stumble along. I, I don't regard mobile games in the same kind of extent as I do a PC game or a console game. Typically, they are very predatory in their nature, and they tend to work as a way of, of getting people to just um, siphon out their money. I would rather pay the full price of a game and and not have to mess with buying anything else unless it's, a, it's an expansion pack. So we have 2012 with uh, Diablo 3, and then by 2018, everybody's hungry for a new Diablo game and they announce it and it feels completely tone deaf because Blizzard's Blizzard's market, their demo, their key demographic are going to, is going to be the PC players because if you trace back into some of the other earlier days, like, yeah, there were some console games that came from Blizzard but some of their biggest stuff, the uh, the games like StarCraft and WarCraft 3, it was it was played on PC by people that were doing things like overnight LAN parties. Right. I mean, so, and so to have Blizzard come out and say things like, well, come on, guys, don't you have phones? Like, it, it felt it felt bizarre. It felt a little uh, strange of like, 
can somebody wake me up and and so I can understand that like I'm actually experiencing reality here. But jokingly aside, it, it's it felt like Blizzard wasn't actually listening to what their their audiences actually wanted. And it's like that sucked. Watching that sucked because we were waiting like we knew that something related to Diablo 4 was actually in development. And we were waiting to hear for news about that game. And instead we get this this mobile game that nobody really wants to play. And so I, I'm simply not going to play it and would rather just vote with my wallet. As far as the as far as the Hong Kong protests go, that was something that I felt very passionate about because I I, I do it's a complicated situation regarding Hong Kong and China that I can't really get into much much detail on, but like you have people that are trying to uh, be activists for their very freedoms, and it's on one hand it's like Blizzard needs to make sure that they're not having themselves bleeding out of of money from their uh, from their higher ups from from Activision from their um uh their their buyers but then also it's like they need to try to appear as as neutral as they possibly can be because they they don't want to tip over too far on one side and end up with some sort of uh uh sticky situation that they have to work themselves out of it it was like it was like a no-win situation for them yeah I like to think of uh, of these situations with these companies in terms of what is the best. Oh, by the way, um, Ricochet in the chat room says SSX was the the snowboard game. I was trying to think of that was the that was the game. SSX is the game. Um, so I like to think of these these situations with these companies in terms of what is the best possible outcome for everybody. And the best possible outcome is if you like Blizzard, you want this company to be around, right? You want this company to last. Well, if they, you know, poo-poo all over China and a lot of their investors are Chinese and the government is is that and it's going to fuck with their business development, you could very realistically see this company wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Is that what you want? What is the alternative? Like, I, I keep thinking, the other day I was thinking about Google and, and uh, Microsoft and the censorship that they take part in in China. And I remember when, when Google first started doing that, that was around the time they kind of backed away from the don't be evil motto of the company. And I keep thinking about what that means and what the implications are and whether or not uh, they should have done it. And the argument I heard from Larry Page, I think, at the time was that he said, it's better that Google exists in China than not. And I think I agree with that because it's not perfect and they're kind of, you know, kowtowing to the Chinese government in terms of their censorship. However, it is still an American company with American values and American ideals and does ultimately, at the end of the day, promote freedom as an ideal more than censorship. So is it is it a perfect solution that they're in there and like kind of kowtowing to the government? No. But is it better that they're there than not? I think that's ultimately the compromise you have to come to in your mind. Like if it's all or nothing, sometimes it's just nothing and you don't have a representation or say at all and things get much worse. Yeah. I think that with the controversy regarding China, 
if um if Blizzard were to do something that would make it so that uh, they they get Tencent or or China overall upset with Blizzard and cuts and they cut business, then that actually screws over the players in China that want to be able to experience the games that Blizzard has been making. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a sticky situation, um, but uh, you know that seems to have like down a bit um it's just there's some things that i think are out of out of control of of uh of people like you can protest as much as you want but at the end of the day you're you're facing this giant um regime like it's a it's a machine like to even start to untackle that is like a way way bigger issue than this little protest during a blizzard event uh you know that's that's a huge huge one to unpack and i've been i've been to china i've been to you know several several um big cities in china and i've been to hong kong and i love it hong kong is one of my favorite cities on earth i would live there uh it's, it's just a great city it's in, in it's incredible it's it's a unique place on earth too because it has like it was a, a, a it was a colony of uh of britain for the longest time um for 100 years so you have a, a lot of like british culture uh, mixed with with uh you know eastern chinese culture and it's a very unique experience it's really interesting can you talk about that a little bit more? I'm I'm really interested in that. Yeah, man. Um, so the first thing when you go to Hong Kong, one of the most fascinating things is when you're landing inside the airport. The airport is a marvel of engineering. Um, you know, the people talk about like the wonders of the world. This should be a wonder of the world. They developed this airport basically on this far outside part of the uh, part of the islands uh, because that was like the only place they could develop it, and. The mountain range going into the airport is very, very steep. So the airport is kind of like nestled inside this like very steep mountain range. And so the airplane kind of has to do this like spiral down inside the airport. Uh, and it's kind of like harrowing because you're kind of just going around in circles until you finally. Um, I've never really been to an airport quite like it. But the airport itself, when they built it out there, they built it on kind of an extension of land that they extended out into the ocean so that they could, uh, you know, have more land to, 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 uh, to build airport. Well, um, a couple, you know, like 10, 20 years ago or something like that, they realized it was sinking. And so they, and they realized that the only solution or the best solution was to create a hydraulic lift to lift up the entire airport. So once every, um, year or so a couple of years or so they they lift up the airport by like three or four centimeters and it's very subtle but it balances it out so that it's it's uh you know all the plane gears and all that stuff works it's just really incredible but the then hong kong itself hong kong proper is just it's like blade runner right when i went there it was in 2003 i think and even then it felt so futuristic. I felt embarrassed to take my phone out of my pocket and I had a pretty advanced phone. I always like kept, kept up to date with my technology and my phone looked so old, old tech next to like everybody else's phones. Everyone had the highest, uh, highest tech gadgets, high to highest tech gears. They have the system to pay for everything in the subway. Uh, it's called the octopus card. And, um, and when you get it, uh, it's, it's developed by like a British company and the British version of it is called the squid card. And it's basically like a tap and pay. They had tap and pay years. They've had the shit for like 20, 30 years where you can pay for everything, everywhere you go with this tap card, you just add credits to it. Very Blade Runner, very futurist, uh, futuristic. Um, it works 
everywhere. If you climb, like if you go hiking in Hong Kong and climb one of the tallest mountains in the uh, in the city to get a good view, you'll climb up to the top of this peak. It's very isolated. There's nothing around. You might come across like one someone someone ran a cable up and they put up a convenient uh, like a, a vending machine with bottles of water in there. And this tap card still works instantaneously on this like on this vending machine at the top of this mountain. It's insane. Wow. I've never seen anything like it. It's beautiful. The food is great. I think for seven US dollars, I was eating gourmet food every single day. It was crazy cheap. Go to a buffet over there. They're like carving dragons out of turnips for you and like carrots, you know, carrots carved into little animals and stuff like that. The, the amount of work and craft that goes into the, um, the food there is incredible. It's all super healthy. The transportation is really great. All the all the subways are so clean. Um, you go to the subway system there and it is a destination. Like if you tell somebody to meet you at a subway stop, like you're thinking, OK, sketchy drug deal might get raped. In Hong Kong, you, you tell somebody to meet you at a, at a to get a good meal. You're going there to a high class restaurant inside the subway station because it's so clean, it's so nice, and the air, and it's air conditioned. They even have like suicide barriers uh, to prevent people from committing suicide or falling in by accident into the subway tunnels. They have these like big glass doors that open up and close that are synchronized with uh, the train. I really liked like Hong Kong. I could just go on and on about. That's that's incredible. Like li yeah. listening to you talk about this, it it actually feels like some sort of futuristic setting from a from a comic. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So one more subject I want to get into here, and that's going to be sure. a, a passion of yours, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been running uh godzilla versus podcast zero with uh with Haley. how's that show still going so far right we haven't recorded in a in a bit because mm -hmm. we both got really busy uh with projects and work and stuff like that she's i think she's in utah right now um but we're gonna record a few more episodes at least uh because we got the new movie coming out and we've got like a, a backlog of movies to get through still so uh, just super fun, man. I love Godzilla so much. I get so pumped. I, you know, I've seen so many Godzilla movies and. Oh, but every time I still I like still when I see him, I'm like, there he is. There's the big boy. Like, I'm so excited because <laughs> he's going to come, come in. He's going to fuck everyone up. And I'm like rooting for him. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. You think you can take Godzilla, you dumb bitch. And then Godzilla comes in and wins and it's all scripted, but I love it so much. It just makes me happy. So do you think, do you prefer Godzilla to be a villain instead of a hero? Um, kind of, I, I don't care because it's Godzilla. Like a Godzilla can choose, you know, he can be either. Um, I think that Godzilla, when he's a villain, I'm fine with that because great. I want to be like crushed by, but when he's a good guy, I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool, too, because now he's like fucking up enemies that I don't like. And I'm like, yeah, take down Destroya, you know, knock that bitch ass out. Or uh, who's that fucking uh, now? I'm forgetting the name of the spider. It's like Kamagan or something. Kamogu, something stupid like that. But he's like, man, he's so badass. Uh, I like both eras where he's a villain and, uh, you know, a, a friend to kids. I think they're both fun. Yeah. So. We've got the uh, the new movie coming out, Godzilla versus King Kong, and this is the third movie 
in the recent America American films. Do you do you feel excitement for this one? Yes, I I feel like so so the things that people panned uh, Godzilla two for were like you know. Uh, flimsy character development. It was light on the story, that sort of thing. That's exactly what Godzilla fans love about Godzilla movies. We don't care about the human element. We don't care. Godzilla is the interesting character to me. Like he's a big boy, and I like, you know, he's a lizard. He's like a guy in a suit or whatever. This like CG sometimes, but his face is emotive. And I feel like I, I understand him. I connect with Godzilla way more than the humans. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada. Let's get to the Godzilla. Let's see what he's going to... Because sometimes he has the same expression from scene to scene, but it reads so much. Because, like, he'll see... King Ghidorah is, like, all braggy and stuff. What the fuck are you doing? The fuck? Who the fuck do you think you are? This is my, this is my world. This is my planet. The fuck out of here. And, I, and he has that look. And then sometimes Godzilla gets sad. Sometimes Godzilla's happy. I just, I love Godzilla. It's, God, yeah, he, he does have a lot of expression. Even in the, the Toho Godzilla films where it, it is a guy in a, in a rubber suit. Um, like seeing him do human things when trying to interact with other monsters. It, it's yeah. always, it's goofy, but it's, it's wholesome at the same time. I I didn't like the Godzilla 2014 film, uh, because I was I was bored the whole time, even during the Godzilla fight, and even when it was Godzilla just vomiting his uh, atomic breath into the creature he was fighting, it was like I I saw this already in another Godzilla film. But which Godzilla which Godzilla movie did you see that in? Oh God, it was it was in the earlier ones. Uh, there was even the one in, in, in 2000 where Godzilla just sticks his head inside the mouth of, of the alien that he's fighting and, and kills it inside. I, it's just, I, I, I couldn't. Is it, I, is it, yeah. Is it too cool? Is that the problem? Oh, is it like too, too cool? fucking awesome? Is that what's the problem? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't like how Americans handle Godzilla films. I may be, huh. I, I may be more of a, of, of a stuck up about this than you are. Uh, but I, I want to enjoy Godzilla versus Kong, but all I want is Godzilla bullying King Kong for 90 minutes. Yes, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I have a good feeling. That's what's going to... Dude, I talk so much shit about King Kong. Haley invited me to this group on Facebook called um, Godzilla King of All Monsters, and it's got like, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people in there, and it is just brutal. All they do in there every single day all day and all night is roast king kong it's the funniest fucking thing man it's just like the meanest shit you can imagine about king kong <laughs> just, it's been torn apart it's so fucking funny and that's all i do too on twitter i, I realize like, i spent a significant amount of time like thinking about roasts for king kong man fuck king kong i don't no, fuck him I, and I, i'm afraid what's going to happen is the uh freddy versus jason scenario where Nobody actually yeah. won. But, uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that one of the two possible scenarios can happen. Um, one is that they make Godzilla win because in the original Godzilla vs. King Kong, King Kong did win, uh, technically. And that pissed everyone off. 
And there wasn't two endings to that movie. It was just one ending. King Kong always wins. It fucking sucks. Uh, and it's bullshit. It's a total fucking... Um, what's, that, what's that plot device that they add? Like a deus ex machina or something like that where... Oh, a MacGuffin where they made King Kong like powered up through lightning. Like that's bullshit. Godzilla gets powered up through lightning, not, God, not King mm-hmm. Kong. Um, in this one, they might have Godzilla win, which would be amazing uh, and true. Uh, or, and this is what everyone suspects, is there will be a common enemy. They will team up, beat the common enemy, and then part as, as enemies still, which will be like, okay, fine. But I still just want to see King, King Kong like get a couple solid ones right on the chin. I think that really made me satisfied. Mm-hmm. What are your overall thoughts on the, uh, the previous two Godzilla films? We've got uh, the 2014 film and then King of the Monsters. How do you think those uh, compare to other Godzilla films? Yeah, they're not as good, but they're like, they're definitely not bad. I, I, the, the original Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla with Brian Cranston, I wish Brian Cranston wasn't in the movie. Not because I don't. He's very competent. He's great. Um, however, he's an expensive actor, and I think that they cast Brian Cranston in that movie to draw a, a crowd, right? Because they need it to be a success. And I, I get it. They need to finance the next few movies. Brian Cranston, I feel like, was so expensive. Every minute of Brian Cranston was one minute less of Godzilla, because you have a budget to produce these movies, like you know whatever it is, like eighty million. If 40 million of it is going to go towards casting Brian Cranston, well, fuck, that's 40 million less. You have for uh, the budget for CG and, and special effects. So that was a trade off they did in that original movie. Had they not had that scene at the end where he barked, I, w- I think I would have been like ever slightly disappointed. But I thought King of Monsters did a great job. I, like the dialogue was dumb, uh, just the way I like it. It's like headed dialogue, like we need to attack. Uh, I love shit like that. And then the monsters were cool. I liked seeing Rodan. The Rodan jet scene was fucking awesome. King Ghidorah was fucking badass. Um, uh, Mothra made an appearance. Everyone, like, that's a crowd favorite. Mothra, uh, Mothra's fine. I like Mothra, but, like, you know, Mothra's a good guy. Like, clearly a good guy. Mm-hmm. But Godzilla's the big boy. They made him real thick, though. I'm not, like, crazy about his design. I think the 1984 Godzilla design is probably the best in the series, or 1991 Ghidorah, but uh, oh yeah, they made Godzilla thick boy. Yeah, he's a thick boy. He is. I, I kind of want to. <laughs> I kind of want to clap those cheeks, man. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I'm pretty sure you've already seen Shin Godzilla too. Oh, Shin Godzilla is the one, man. That one's so good. That's the movie I, I recommend on Godzilla fans watch if you want to get into Godzilla. Watch Shin Godzilla because it's series. Uh, it's a great introduction. Got some good like twists and turns, and the, and the story's good too. Like it's got it's not just a good Godzilla movie, but it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, if it weren't for the middle of the movie, I I think it would have been like the movie of the year in 2016 or whenever it came out. Uh, they they made Godzilla in a way terrifying with this one. It, it, like when when he first uses his fire breath and the way that it morphs into something more more sharp and and pinpointed. And, and the absolute amount of, of destruction. And, and then I was watching this one with uh, Mitchard, Stev, and, and uh, our friend Zach. And as soon as the, the lasers come out of his, his back, oh. it was just this. Oh, man. Oh, we lost our shit. Yeah. I got out of my chair. I was in the theater. I was like, 
yeah, fuck you. Like, he was, like, destroying Tokyo. I'm like, yeah, you guys fucked up. I was so happy. Oh, man, he was so badass. Like, how do you make Godzilla more badass? They did it. They made Godzilla more badass. That made me so happy. I yeah. like that movie a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and even... And, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, and, and even seeing, like, the... Uh, the, the different stages of Godzilla, the early stages of Godzilla were, were somehow made in a way that was so unsettling. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that Godzilla, the design was kind of a throwback to the original Godzilla, which was terrifying. Like Godzilla is not supposed to be this like cool, like friendly looking monster. He looked like a horrible abomination with like jagged teeth and horrible things coming out. And that's what they went back to. They weren't, loved it and um because it's not like the godzilla we've come to know uh but here's something kind of interesting and this is kind of a little bit of trivia you'd hear on godzilla versus podcast zero but we learned that the roars of godzilla in each stage of his evolution came from each different era of godzilla film so when he was like first like kind of like a, a um you know kind of like a morphing into the godzilla form his original roar came from the original 19, what was it, 53 or 63. Second roar came from the 1970s, and then the third roar from 1984, and then the modern roar is what uh, he ends up with. I thought that was, like, really cool, really nice little, little touches and little nods to the original Godzilla generations. I had no idea. Yeah. That's cool as shit. I like that. Yeah, they- they threw all sorts of really neat little Easter eggs and stuff like that in the movie. Oh, the fan service. That's great. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode then. Maddox, can you just plug everything that's going on for you here? Especially especially where we, we can actually sit down by the campfire with our favorite cowboy. <laughs> yeah so the only thing i've been doing like publicly consistently is twitch so give me a follow at uh real maddox on twitch and uh on mondays i have my dad streaming he's a cowboy and he's just a good wholesome kind-hearted christian cowboy who doesn't like to swear but he'll put you in a good he'll put a smile on your face he'll put you in a good mood he's a good guy uh and then on wednesdays i have my little nephew banana docs streaming and he's a little he's a little shit uh he get he's he's but he's misunderstood you know yeah he's uh he's very excited he just had a baby um so you tune in <laughs> talk to banana doc that's a good <laughs> time happened? and then every once in a blue moon uh my niece maddie locks who's a pretty like you know we're related so i'm not supposed to like say this but she's a babe all right she's a babe uh, and uh, she she does like usually like chat and gaming streams. So yeah, give me a follow on Real Maddox, and also um, check out Madcast Media. I mean, where you're listening to this stuff and all the shows on that network, and Zach Waldman's still publishing too. So uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Slick Five Eighteen as well. Dave is also publishing stories on their short stories. So MadcastMedia.com. Yeah, uh, I need to get a, an article on there again at some point soon. But yeah, ah. uh, guys, if you uh, like what I do and what uh, we've been doing with Arrogant Media, Superhanger Bros, etc., and you want to support the show, there's a few ways of doing so. The first of which is to share it, get people listening, get people watching as we do these Twitch streams every Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Central. I was late today, obviously, but either way. 
Uh, the other way is uh, financially through patreon.com slash arrogantmedia. There, you can join the Arrogant Media Military Complex. If you want to be an Orc War Chief, you can simply buy the title through the Patreon. But what that allows you to do is if there's a week where you have a special message for us, for the audience, if there's a passion project, if you're part of a band that you want to promote, anything that you want to give to us as a message, obviously that would not get us banned on Twitch, let us know and we'll be able to present that during the episode. So thanks again for the support, love, and uh, just, God, just listening to my voice. I love it too. Until next time, fall damage. Okay.